Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters and so glad you could join me this week. And I'm really sorry that I missed you last week. Didn't record last week. Things got a little hectic for me at the World Under-18 Championship where I was broadcasting all the games in Frisco, Texas for the World Under-18 Championship, the men's tournament there that went off. And, and we had a great time there calling those games. Ended up calling 16 with Jim Rich, and including the gold medal game, which was an absolute thriller between Canada and Russia. And there was plenty of that, and also had a ton and a ton of coverage on hockeysense.substack.com, which of course is the written component. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to that website or chrispetershockey.com to, to see more. But tons of NHL draft-related coverage of the World Under-18s. And after we talk to my guest today, I'll, I'll recap a little bit of it just to tell you about some of the experiences, the sights and sounds, and other things that I heard from the World Under-18s. Also, some news on the World Men's Championship, which will be taking place in Latvia at the end of this month. And uh, Team USA is starting to take shape, although it'll be a little different, and it's been a little harder to get players to sign on for even more time uh, in, a, in a controlled environment after spending the entire season that way. So... We'll get to that after this, but I have a really exciting guest this week. I'm really pleased that I was able to get my former colleague at ESPN, Greg Wyshynski, to hop on the podcast to talk about all of the drama going around the NHL, and Greg and, and Emily Kaplan have covered it so well for ESPN. We talk a lot about Jack Eichel, spent a good chunk on that, because I think that that's a, that's a situation that doesn't just affect the Buffalo Sabres, it affects many teams in the league. I think there are a lot of teams that are currently looking to see what it would take to acquire a star of Jack Eichel's caliber. Um, and we also talked a bit about what's going on with the New York Rangers and the, the shocking termination of, of Jeff Gorton and, and John Davidson and the promotion of Chris Drury who is also the general manager of Team USA at the World Championship right now. So uh, a lot of things going on in the hockey world and, and no better person to talk about it than Greg, who covers it on a national level and has been you know, in a lot of those press conferences and, and has written at length at ESPN.com about those topics. But we also talked a bit about the evolution of sports media. Of course, both of us kind of came from the blogging world in, in, in the like 
2010s or so, you know, blogging was really taking off and, and a lot of people were getting hired. And you know, that's when I ended up at CBS Sports and Greg was at Yahoo at Puck Daddy, which was such an influential blog and has really made an impact. And we also talked a little bit about the future of sports media. And of course, we spent time on ESPN acquiring the rights and, and how that has altered uh, Greg's job and, and also just wanted to uh, kind of get a, get a feel for how things have changed so far in, in the early goings of ESPN being involved with the NHL. And, and I, again, I still think that that's such a great thing for the game. So um, thank you again for joining us this week. As a reminder, as I do so often, I will tell you, please subscribe to, to hockeysense.substack.com. That's Hockey Sense with Chris Peters, which is really uh, the engine that drives the whole media operation for me. The more subscriptions I get there, the easier it is for me to do things like this. And I'll try not to miss a week next time. So, uh, but yeah, if you if you put that in your subscription notes uh, to say, hey, don't take any more podcasts off, I, I will listen to that. So I am uh, certainly willing for that. And, and as I mentioned, a ton of NHL draft-related coverage. Our spring draft rankings are up there. Um, so many notes, dozens and dozens of players from the World Under 18 Championship covered, including players that aren't even eligible for this year's draft, like Connor Bedard and Shane Wright, who just absolutely lit that tournament on, on fire. Same with Matvey Michkov from Team Russia. Um, there are so many players that, that really shone brightly in that tournament, and Canada, of course, won the gold medal. On the backs of Shane Wright and Connor Bedard, two underage players, two guys that very well could be the next two number one picks in, in 2022 and 2023, respectively. Um, they made some history. We're going to talk a lot more about the under-18s at the other side of the interview with Greg, and we'll also talk about men's worlds and all those other things. But uh, you know, please subscribe to this podcast as well. Like, rate, review, um, share let people know about it. If you know, if you like it, please, you know, give us a five-star review and, and put in some, uh, some kind words in, in that as well, because it just helps us get, uh, our, our, our podcast up the rankings. And that's what we, we want to do to continue to get to more people and certainly, uh, bring this podcast further. So, uh, yeah, but it's been, it's been just a wild week of NHL news. And that's why I really wanted to have Greg Wyshynski on today. So once again, please subscribe, like, rate, review, subscribe to talk to hockeysense.substack.com. And without further ado, I'm going to send it over to my interview with Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. Very pleased to be joined by a man who needs no introduction because he's been around the internet seemingly as long as the internet has existed, but not quite. That <laughs> Sorry, Greg, that was mean. That was a mean intro, but either way, Greg Wyshynski is with us today. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN, of course, and my former colleague and uh, a friend and certainly one of the reasons many of us that were bloggers at one point became more than bloggers at another point. Oh. So <laughs> Greg, welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I mean, you're not wrong on any of it, including <laughs> the, the history aspect of it. I mean, I, I do. I mean, like I used to get on AOL through the compact disc that Ted Leonsis would send me in the mail. So like, that's a long time ago, right? So I don't yeah. know. I, 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 I heard, I think the internet's been around since like the 60s or the 70s, maybe in some form. 
right, uh, right so I'm not that true. old but i mean as far as like the legit history of the internet i've probably been on it for its entirety yeah i and i i'm with you i was on the discs too and i i think some of my first sports opinions were put out in the march madness chat room uh <laughs> in on aol and then i do remember trying to submit questions to cami granado during the 1998 olympics saying how how did you how'd you make it there uh, how did you make Cammy? hockey yeah exactly so that was kind of the, the whole thing but i mean it's it's amazing to see kind of now obviously you're at espn you've been in the podcast game for a while as well which is you know obviously taking off especially in the hockey circles but you know I, I wanted to have you on for a few reasons and one of them is just this avalanche of news that we've gotten in the last couple of weeks in the nhl which is you know it's always fun when on our side of things because it's it's interesting to track but i mean there's no shortage of drama and we we tend to enjoy the drama you you and i uh and others um <laughs> but but you know i mean i, I want to start with the jack eichel stuff first because i think it's the most relevant to not just sabers fans but fans of any fan base that has a need for a number one center um mm. which you know is kind of many teams uh you can never have enough centers as as we learned but but for you i mean just you were on the call with with eichel you you kind of got a chance to see uh what was happening and and actually hear the tone of his voice i mean what what was it like to kind of sit through that and actually watch it all unfold in front of you he was pissed yeah, <laughs> like he, yeah i mean he threw a I flame, mean, it, took a flamethrower to him he really did yeah he was like dicaprio at the end of once upon a time in hollywood no the <laughs> thing about him that's interesting is like i don't think anybody would have batted an eye if he had just kind of repeated what we all assumed which is he's unhappy about the direction of the team you know, he spent six years there. Uh, they have the worst record in the NHL during those six years. He's had three general managers and no playoff appearances. Like all of the things that are justified in Jack Eichel wanting to not be in Buffalo. But then when you start trafficking in accusations of medical malfeasance, it certainly does change the tone and tenor of the comments. And, and you know, uh, it's obvious he, he has a, an idea of what he wants to do to heal the herniated disc in his neck. The team has a different idea. Um, like Jack said, when you're under contract with the team, they hold all the cards. And um, it was interesting that that may end up being the tipping point between him and the Sabres because you would figure that it was headed there anyway, because the team keeps losing and, and he's going to be entering like a third rebuild. Um, but this thing, he just seemed real pissed. He just seemed like it's like, yeah. a, and, and I don't think it's like a, 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 you know, a petulant thing. You know, I don't, I don't think that people should be upset with Jack Eichel because like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's his body and he knows what should be best for it. And it's also his career. Like it, the quote where he said, uh, you know, Jack Eichel's got to look out for Jack Eichel, you know, which is exactly what you'd expect somebody from BU to say, <laughs> um, <laughs> got a lot of scrutiny. But at the end of the day, he's absolutely right. Like, you only get one shot at this career. And one, if you think that you've spent it too too long in the same spot and they can't get their act together, get out. And two... Um, you have every right to be pissed off if you think that there's a course of action that should be taken to make you feel better and to fix what's wrong. And your employer's like, nah, actually, that's not what we're going to do. Right. 
Right. And it, the other thing too, I mean, it could be even be given that it's, you know, believed to be this herniated disc situation with his neck and, and everything, you know, there's also a quality of life factor, a long-term factor that, that is in there. And I, I mean, believe me, I, I heard the simultaneous heart attacks of the 200 hockey men when he referred to himself <laughs> in the third person, but, I, but, but I do, but I do think that especially when it comes to health, we need to, I think we should allow NHL players to have a little more agency in in that in the decisions that are made there because they are the ones that have to live with that body for the rest of their lives and so and and especially for jack eichel who and all elite athletes need to be at a certain level to perform health-wise and he doesn't feel he's there yet and he thinks that there's an option that could get him there or at least he's been sold on an option that can get him there so but but yeah but that and this is where but what's what's like, interesting about that ahead, though yeah. chris is that like <clears throat> it's funny how far we've come right like the idea of a team knowing what's best for a player's health used to be absolutely commonplace. And then we found out about concussions, <laughs> you know, right, so now it's right. no longer like, Oh, I don't feel right. And then they're like, you just got butterflies in your head, go out there and play the hockey. We don't do that anymore. And we still hear stories from around the league about teams knowing what they believe should be the right course of medical action for players. Like, you know, you don't need to get surgery now, actually. You just need a few weeks of rehab to be back on the ice. We do hear that every season, anecdotally. It's just not usually like your best player. Right. It's not usually right. like your franchise player that's at the heart of this thing. And, you know, you might have players that speak up and say, like, I think I need surgery. And the team's like, no, you don't. Um, and then you never hear about it again. I can't remember the last time you had a player of this magnitude saying to his team, you know, I feel disconnected from the franchise because you guys won't let me fix myself. It's, right. It was unprecedented in some ways. Right. Yeah. That I think that is just really a big part of the shock that, that came with the entire situation. And, and the other thing too, is we're, we're not so far removed from Connor McDavid taking his health into his own hands mm -hmm. and, and getting an experimental procedure. Um, and, and clearly, you know, given, given what we've learned from them that, you know, it may have saved yeah. his career, you know, like we're, we're you and, know, that and was based on, and based yeah. on this season, it was like super soldier serum. Apparently Jesus, yeah. what do they no. give this guy? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> going to want that surgery now. It's like, please break my, break everything and put it back together. But, <laughs> put it back together. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's yeah. But I mean, you know, and especially for the Sabres too, is that, you know, they have done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt in these situations. They've made a lot of mistakes as a, as a franchise. And, you know, we don't know if there have been as many, you know, necessarily medically, but at the same time, how do you not move mountains to, to make your best player happy, especially in a situation when it's health related. But I mean, you know, moving on from that, now we're in a situation where it seems that the only course of action is to move him that the only, mm. the only way that this is resolved is to move him. However, with this surgery situation looming with, you know, the fact that everybody knows he wants to get out. I mean, did, did Eichel just kind of nuke some of the leverage that the Sabres may have had, or is he just that good of a player? And I may fall into this category more where he's as good of a player where you just, you take that leverage and it, you say, hey, we're not moving them until we get what we want. There's a couple of things there. <clears throat> um, the only way that they could keep him is if they somehow uh, 
fixed the the impasse between him and the team over the way that he was treated in this medical situation, which I don't know if you could do, but let's say you do that. The only way you're going to be able to keep him, because remember, he's miserable, is by winning. And the absolute most Pollyanna reading of the Sabres would be that Ralph Kruger was the wrong coach, and now maybe they have the right coach. And that the COVID interruption in their season sent what could have been a promising campaign careening off the rails and that maybe they aren't as bad as they ended up being. Now, I think after six seasons, Jack Eichel's not putting his faith in that theory being correct. I think he's like, I don't want to do it again. I don't want the tease of a promise followed by the crushing realization that we're not that good. We're still in a division. <laughs> where the top four teams are in perpetuity, the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Florida Panthers, and the Carolina Hurricanes, um, if I'm correct or white. Or the Hurricane, I'm all jumbled up on the divisions. Um, are they there or are they in the... In they're the, in the uh, central, so they're... Well, they're in the central, but I mean, like, yeah. we switch back. When we go back, oh, right, right, right. Because um, I, I, yeah, I have... The I have are in the Atlantic, right the, the Hurricanes are in the Metro. If the Metro, mistaken. right? Yeah, but the, who's the, the other team? The who's the other team in the in the Atlantic that that I've I've, I've seeded a, a playoff position to in perpetuity? I'm going to find them right now because it's yeah, it's Toronto, of course. Duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the yeah. so yeah, so it's the Bruins, the Lightning, the Leafs, and the Panthers, and then you have an, in an, a team in Montreal that is, I think, on a a, a much uh, quicker path to contention than are the Sabers. Yes. So like you stay there and even if they make a marginal increase in, in success, like what are you left with? So he might just be like, even if you could fix the problem with the disconnect between the team and him on the medical stuff, like he's just going to be like, it's just time to go, man. I've done this right. for six years. Right. The, I think the one thing that, that the wrinkle of the whole thing is, you know, does the trade have to happen before the surgery happens? I mean, if they're, if they're not going to let him get the surgery and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, what does that do to the timeline of, of his availability for a team? I mean, looking at some of the, you know, some of the reporting on, on the kind of procedure that he would want, it's mm -hmm. a pretty significant timeline for recovery. I don't sure. think it's, it's not, it's not a quick fix. You <clears throat> might not get a year out of them from this, you know, you might not get them till halfway through the season or something like that. So, I mean, I just right. wonder how, how, how that impacts things or what your read on that situation is. It, it, it certainly does. And it's one of a few things that if you ask around, it's not a slam dunk. Like he's not, he's not Matthews, right? He's not McDavid. Like right. there is some baggage with Jack and some of it is real, like needing this kind of surgery to fix his neck. And some of it is perceived like, He's not won anything. <laughs> and, and I know that's a team problem, but it's also like, put it this way. Let's say the, you're the Rangers and you have a chance to trade for Eichel. And they're like, okay, you can get Eichel, but we need Lafreniere, Kako, and Miller. <laughs> like, would you make that trade? I don't know. No. Now, in theory, you should because Eichel is the best right. player in that trade. Eichel is a a you know borderline generational talent or right. or a generational talent, depending on what your read on him is. But 
you have two two questions if you're the Rangers in this situation. One is, do you want to sacrifice three major pieces of what has been a, in my opinion, a pretty successful rebuild towards playoff contention next season? Congratulations, Chris Drury. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to then go get Jack Eichel, and then the other read is, like, is Jack Eichel the thing you need? Right. Or is the thing you need eventually? Um another kind of veteran center who may not be Jack Eichel, but will be joining the team that has Lafreniere, that has Kako, that has Miller, that has whatever pieces you would have to give up to get Jack. Now, this is assuming the absolute ceiling, the apex of a trade market for Jack Eichel, which usually doesn't happen. Right. Like the Ryan O'Reilly trade happened because that was the kind of offer they were getting for Ryan O'Reilly. Right. Right. Like we've not seen the zenith of a trade market for a player, maybe since Lindros, as far as like how much you actually have to give up for a player that good. Um, So the thought that it's going to be Lafreniere, Kako, and and Miller may not be actual. Um, So then it becomes, I think, of, I think, a thing of like, what's the price for Jack? What do you pay for Jack? And how confident are you that he's going to still be Jack after the surgery? Right. Right. Yeah. And so I, I would agree where it's not a slam dunk. And then all of a sudden you have these, all these different conversations and really you start looking around teams and and there's, there's the salary cap considerations. There's also the, the return considerations and what, what you're able to actually give up. And I don't think that there are as many teams out there that have a package that would, in that would, drive the sabers to trade him obviously there's we're at the point now where it feels like they have no choice mm-hmm. but i mean it, you basically well, have to form a bidding war at this point among other teams that have that have the pieces and we but, talked but keep about, this in mind too well, though but keep yeah. this in mind too though like you're also dealing with a guy that has to go to a team that is close to being successful or is already successful like right. it makes all the sense in the world for the Arizona Coyotes to somehow like gin up a bunch of people and send them to Buffalo and be like, we're now the Jack Eichel team, but he's going to hate that. Right. He's been there. He's been doing this for six years already. Right. So like there are going to be teams that have assets to ante up for Jack Eichel and, and, and change the trajectory of their team. But like, to what end? Like he's got to feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's, that's hundred percent true. I mean, I wonder, you know, some of the teams that we've talked about, you know, obviously New York, you know, they, but I think that they have, they are on, it feels like they're on a plan that is working for them. You know, like they're, they're, they're headed in the right direction. Um, even though everything got blown up and we'll talk about that in a minute too. But, but then, you know, you look at LA with the surplus of prospects and picks that they have, I think that's one place that would be interesting. You, I think we've all mentioned Colorado at, at a point as well for a McKinnon, Michael combo, but oh, yeah. they have so many salary cap considerations coming up, including, mm-hmm. you know, Kale you know, McCarr and everything oh, that, yeah. that goes into that. So, I mean, there's it a lot make of different things. No, no. So it's yeah. really hard. Like, and even when you say, okay, well, here are teams that have the things that could entice Buffalo. It's just not an easy, it's not an easy trade to make in this, in this environment. The thing about the NHL, it sucks is because is that there are so many possibilities that in your head you're like i'd love to see them explore this 
but you know, teams inherently aren't bold enough to do so. Yeah. Like for example, if the Vancouver Canucks decided to trade Elias Pettersson for Jack Eichel, like, wouldn't that be interesting? That would be, (laughs) but would they ever do it? Probably not. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that'd be, that'd be fun in its own way. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams that I think are, are possibilities for Jack. Um, and then it would just be a matter of whether they want to step up to the plate. You know, the LA Kings are an interesting one because they, they have sort of, so the Rangers are a team they're going to have to pay people money to like, like right, Colorado, right, like, you know, right. eventually Adam Fox is going to be up and he's going to have a Norris trophy to his credit and he'll need money. And uh, Lafreniere and, and Kako, all these guys are going to be up and, and they're all going to get better at some point and they're all going to need new contracts. But that's a little bit farther down the line. Those are, those are controllable assets that you can keep at a certain price point, at least through 2026 when Eichel's contract is up. LA is in a different place. <laughs> LA has two guys in Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty that are both over... $10 million in, in salary cap. Both aren't going anywhere. Right. And both are signed for a surprisingly large amount of years. <laughs> if yes. you add Jack Eichel to that mix, granted, you're going to be able to, again, control the amount of money that you spend on Byfield and on Turcotte and then all these young players, they're going to be great. But you are going to already be committed to over $30 million a season to three players in perpetuity, I mean, right. through Eichel's contract. Right. Um, so the math on that's interesting too, even though it doesn't really come up a lot in, in the King's perspective, because it's all like, oh, well, Eichel, Kopitar, next four seasons, let's go. You, and you've got the assets to make it happen. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such an interesting discussion for these teams to have. Now the big question is, for Sabres fans, do you have the faith in Kevin Adams to get... <laughs> to get the deal that would make this palatable to a fan base that was sold on Eichel. Well, they weren't initially sold on Eichel being the savior because Tim Murray's first thought after they lost the draft lottery was that I'm disappointed for our fans. <laughs> um, you're not allowed to say that, you know, uh, Sabres lore is that the fans were very excited for either McDavid or Eichel. I'm sure if you polled 500 Sabres fans right now, they would tell you that they are just as happy having Jack Eichel <laughs> as they would have been having Connor McDavid. Oh, yes. Because that's exactly how they feel. And yes. they will tell you that over and over again, no matter how many times you tell them that you saw Sabres McDavid jerseys at training camp, but did not see a Sabres Eichel jersey at training camp because the tank was about McDavid. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what a what a fun what a fun trip down memory lane that was. But still, <laughs> he comes in. He, I know, but that, that is exactly how I remember that very well. And I, I was told many times I took him out of context. And I was like, ah, no, no, I didn't. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. uh, but that was that was fun. But anyway, so yeah, so we get this situation now where you've got Kevin Adams, who, you know, obviously the, the Taylor Hall sweepstakes was a dud. Um, and he is now Lord and Savior of the Wait, city of Boston. For, a dud for who? Like, well, for Taylor, it worked out pretty good for Taylor Hall. It worked out uh, for got, him. Yes. Got his, got his money. Got his money. Got a no move to, to hasten a trade to the place where he wanted to be. 
gets a multi-week audition for the Boston Bruins, kicks it ass in it, yes. and will probably get the contract that he wanted to get last summer, but this time there's proof of concept for the Bruins. Absolutely. It was like a super villain move on his it, part. Yeah, incredible, incredible strategy from one Taylor Hall. And But yeah, but I mean, then it comes down to, you know, he, he went for a second round draft pick and you're like, oh, okay, um, well, uh, you know, and I understand that the market was what it was and that it was a, it was a challenging market to, to get through. But but either way, you get, you know, you kind of have you don't have a track record of deals. And now all of a sudden you have this franchise altering move with a player that's already disgruntled with, you know, he hasn't even, you know, Kevin Adams hasn't even met with the media yet as we record this. I believe he's doing that on Wednesday. And mm-hmm. so that's going to be absolute must see. Um tv there but either way <laughs> you've got you know this this rookie essentially a rookie gm with the most important move and and you have sabers fans who are gun shy after the whole ryan o'reilly thing and everything else and constantly getting not enough for what they were hoping for um for some of these assets so you know i mean unpack that if you will how how the heck do you if you're if you're put yourself in the shoes of a buffalo sabers fan which i i've you know, I, I worry for your health if, if you do do that, but, <laughs> but, you know, but go ahead and, and, and I mean, how are you feeling about their ability to even make mm-hmm. this work? So I'm wiping away the smoking cinders of a table that was lit on fire. Oh, wait, no, that's a Bills fan. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, I, 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 I don't have any faith in it. I don't have any right. faith in any of it. Like, it's amazing how much the Bakula's got the Bills right and have gotten the Sabres wrong. It's almost like the universe has to be in balance. It's like the that Seinfeld episode where he's even Steven. You know, one, one person's up and one person's down. Like, the bill, the, the, the Sabres had to die for the, for the Bills to live, you know, or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the solution is uh, outside of, of the blind optimism uh, that we talked about before where the season maybe wasn't as bad as it seemed to be. Um, but it's an entirely different conversation when it comes to, do you have the faith in Kevin Adams to maximize the return for Jack Eichel? And, you know, part of that conversation is about the, what the market's going to end up being and who's bidding and how much, because um, then it becomes a little bit easier. But, but he's yet to show that he can really finesse a deal. He's yet to show that he's the guy who's going to, you know, play one side against the other and, and get what he needs. And, you know, we often talk about the deleterious effect that the Ryan O'Reilly trade had on the Buffalo Sabres and how that was a franchise altering move at the end of the day, because the return they got for him was uh, trash. Right. Um, and, right. and kudos to Doug Armstrong for having somehow secured Ryan O'Reilly in that trade without having to give up Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas, um, which is a thing that happened, which is insane to this day. Right. Um, so we, we looked at that trade and said, okay, they whiffed on that and that set the franchise back. That The magnitude of, of whiffing on Eichel compared to whiffing on O'Reilly is like a billion fold. Like mm-hmm. this is a trade that you simply can't screw up. Like you just can't. If you do, it sets the franchise back a decade. Like right. you have to get the right return for this guy. And I agree with you, like, yeah, Kevin Adams ain't ain't necessarily proven that he's the guy to do it quite yet. Not to say that he can't, right? But it's know. to say that you're not confident that he can't, right? 
And there's, there's going to be plenty of, you know, savvy general managers out there that are going to try to throw him boat anchors and everything else. So, I mean, you know, that's going to be, be one of the things that, that we'll, well have like to keep a, an eye on. It's like I joked about this week, like when this whole thing is done and, and Joe Sackick has gotten uh, Jack Eichel for a first, a third dryer lint and an NFT of Matt Calvert. <laughs> Like, and then we're all like, why do you keep making trades with Joe Sackick, man? All he does is steal people. Yeah. Um, it'll just be the same thing over and over again. But yeah, I, I, that's the scariest part for me. If I was a Sabres fan, isn't necessarily like what life is going to be like after Jack Eichel, because frankly, like this was a predictable thing, right? That if you didn't win after six years or seven years, that maybe he wouldn't want to be there. It's the same thing we used to say about Connor. Like if the Oilers didn't, have something for Connor um, after a, a number of years of, of, of just wandering the desert and, and not being a good franchise. Um, he probably would ask out too, like despite having signed that contract, it was always the risk that he was going to do that. It, it's gotten better for him there. So we don't hear that talk as much as in, anymore, but for Eichel, it's just gotten worse. So right. you knew that this was going to come to the point. The scary thing wasn't Eichel not being there. The scary thing is what's there instead. And that remains the scariest part of this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't even imagine, you know, if you fail, if you fail there and you basically already had a lost decade of Sabres hockey and to lose another would be uh, tragic, quite frankly, for that fan base. And, you know, I think for hockey at large, we'd like, we, we would like, we don't want you to suffer Sabres fans. We, no. It's not, yeah. It's, we don't want that for you. This is just the way that it is right now. Um, but yeah, Sabres but... fans have to understand something intrinsically. And I think I'm happy you brought that up. None of us want misery for you people. Okay. Your, your TV ratings are always really high. Um, yep. There is a, a pent up enthusiasm in that city that we're seeing through the eyes of, of Bill's fans that we know would be the same way for Sabres fans. We've, we, we saw it with the resurgence of the Chicago Blackhawks. We saw it with the resurgence of the Boston Bruins. When teams that haven't been good for a very long time get good and they're in incendiary hockey markets, it is the best thing for the NHL. One right. of the best things for the NHL right now would be for Buffalo not to suck because yeah. that enthusiasm would be infectious. Yeah. And I, I think most of us too genuine, genuinely would like would like to see that just from a aesthetic point you know where it's just like the league is just better when i mean those those sabers teams that were good and it were so good and so fun where even the jury the briere years hashik you know ryan miller's runs mm -hmm. you know they were mm -hmm. all different things than they were fun and so i'm really excited that you know i i would be excited to see that team come well, back so we, we except we, for the patrick coletta stuff i mean I could that, well that. yeah i mean that well <laughs> no you got to crack a few skulls every now and again but um, but anyway, yeah, the, the <laughs> man, wow. You brought, yeah, that's bringing back some blog. Like that's like prime blogging years right there. Well, too. again, like I've been on, you know, it's since the AOL discs, buddy. I've been yeah, around for a bit. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I also wanted to talk about the whole Rangers situation, which is just fascinating. You know, I was, I happened to be hanging out of my hotel room when I was in Texas. I was like, Hey, there's Greg Wyshynski on sports center talking about, <laughs> talking about the New York Rangers and uh, which, you know, it's always great to see you and Emily on there. And, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of you guys here um, very soon, but 
but to see that, I mean, obviously it's an, it's kind of an earth shattering moment. And I, I remember checking the tweets as they, as the news broke saying, this is, this has got to be a fake. This has got to be a fake. I can't, I can't imagine yeah. it, but when it's James Dolan, anything mm-hmm. is possible. And even like just seeing JD being included in that Mr. Ranger, like, I was like, are you kidding me? And mm-hmm. here we are. And so now the reins are turned over to Chris Drury. He'll be the general manager and president. Um, I think that was always the long-term vision for the organization. Uh, it was certainly the long-term vision of Chris Drury um, as well. I don't, th- <laughs> I don't know that he. I don't know that he expected to get it this way. Um, I don't know that he was rooting for for it to happen this soon. But it, either way, it has happened, and so it, it really shows that the Lord of the Rings films have fallen out of the cultural zeitgeist because you would have expected to see at least a few Chris Drury as worm tongue memes <laughs> uh, whispering in the ear of James Dolan to uh, affect change in the Rangers hierarchy, but it just hadn't, it hadn't happened. Yeah. But now the, the Drury thing's interesting because I, I didn't hear anybody. Okay. I did hear a couple people <laughs> uh, behind the scenes speculate that, that, you know, Gordon was shanked, but mm. that's, you know, scuttlebutt and innuendo. I can't really like say that. It's true or false. Right. What I did hear, though, from a few people on the more believable tip is that if you spend so much time talking about how good the person working under you is to the point where you don't allow that person to interview anywhere because he's that valuable and you create a position in the organization, associate general manager, so this person can get more power and make more money. At some point, the boss might look at that person and say, why isn't he the general manager? <laughs> and, 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 and so like, if you're James Dolan and you're looking at this team and they're not in the playoffs again, and you're saying to yourself, I don't really like the progress of this uh, rebuild, even though you're wrong, cause it's going quite well. Um, you know, in James Dolan brain, it may be a situation of like, that guy will go faster. He's the one who's doing anything, everything anyway. And mm. so that was a, a theory that was put forth by a few people that I spoke to in the last two weeks. Yeah. And that's it. And that's interesting too, because I mean, you know, it, it's always difficult to really know. I mean, there are some obviously assistant general managers throughout the NHL. that are heavily, heavily involved in everything. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some of them are doing entire negotiations with just check-ins from the GM and some of them are, right doing cap management. Some of them are running scouting departments. I mean, really, there's a lot of different roles that an assistant general manager has had. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think also, you know, the timing too, with there was a lot of opening, you know, openings where jury was getting considered for and other things like that as well, which I'm sure was part of a factor, but really to see, like, I, I've been of the mind that things have been going well, that they set forth the plan, they yeah. did exactly what they said they were going to do, and then they got lucky in the process by winning two lotteries, getting <laughs> first and second picks, winning the Artemi Panarin sweepstakes, mainly because he's like, well, I would like to play in New York, and they're like, well, we would like that very much as well, here is a contract. Um, and, you know, so they have an MVP candidate, you know, they had to obviously part ways with Hank and everything else well, with that. Well- so. Let's let's pause on luck for a second, because listen, I like Jeff Gordon a lot, and I think he's done some very good things. I think you can't, you know, sneeze at this advantage ad trade, or right. you know, the incredible like paperclip experiment that was turning Ryan Spooner into uh, Ryan Strome. Right. Um, like 
all those things are amazing, but it, the luck part goes beyond the, the three things you mentioned, the, the lottery wins and Panarin. It's also Adam Fox growing up right. a Rangers fan and being like, I want to go here. Calgary and, and sign anywhere Carolina. Else. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's and, and then, and then even though it, it's sort of not, you know, as successful as, as everybody thought it would be. Um, and maybe in fact, maybe an albatross at this point, I don't know, but like the, the Jacob Truba situation is the same thing. It's like, right. I want to be one place and it's where, you know, my partner can go to school and, uh, and that happens to be Manhattan. Um, so it, it was, it was like, it was like six things <laughs> that yeah, broke good point. Jeff Great Gordon's point. way just because he was the general manager of the Rangers and also had luck in the lottery. Right. Right. And I, I mean, and I assume too, that there was also, I know it's been speculated that there, there were some concerns about communication and things like that, but then, you know, and also it's also been bandied about, about the, the timeline of the rebuild that they wanted it, you know, Dolan wanted it to go fast. Um, you know, I think that that's been, you know, shot down at times, but you know, do you, how much, so how much credence do you put into the competing conspiracy theory that this was based on the timing and everything more related to the letter that Dolan wrote about the Tom Wilson situation than it was anything else? Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to say. It just seems like such a, such a brash drastic move tied to that that one thing um yeah which is why i was like ah that's but i mean it was out there and i i at first i was like eh, it wouldn't shock me i mean there have been plenty of crazy things that have happened with the knicks over the years too so um i was like yeah i mean it makes sense but i still feel like i still feel like there were other elements at play than than that but the, but i mean the we thing- haven't even gotten to that point where let's talk about that too the whole well, the, the part of it that still doesn't make sense to me is the JD part of it. Like, I'm, I'm hoping at some point we we learn what was going on there because it's like one thing for, for Dolan to be like, I don't think the rebuild's going as fast as it should be. Jeff Gordon should go. But then, like, why is JD going? Right. <laughs> you know, like, that, that's like, a great he, point. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it's still, I've been trying, I've been talking to some sources about the around the Rangers. Everybody's got a different story. JD is putting out a different story right. um, than what you hear. It's it's very confusing, but that's that's legitimately the part that doesn't fit. And and you know, as you're you know doing your like uh, you know Perry Mason routine or, or Columbo <laughs> routine and trying to figure out what the clues all lead to, right? Right. Um, it just doesn't seem to fit. Right. I mean, there's, it's just, it is fun to speculate though. I mean, also the whole Sather involvement thing being on the yeah. call, like, I'm like, Whoa, Hey, Glenn Slater, Glenn Sather, welcome back to the, yeah, right. to, to the camera. Yeah. I thought you were like, just chilling and, <laughs> you know, and then there's also been the talk of, Hey, we're not tough enough and things of right. that nature too, where it's just like, Oh man. But it seems like they're building the modern NHL, like the modern mm-hmm. NHL team with mobile defensemen, with guys that can move pucks, with highly skilled forwards, with speed. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like they're on the right track. But yeah, so so now that we're now that we're past this insanity, you know, now now it's Chris Drury's to to carry the ball and run with it. And I mean, there we just talked about one way that they that he could make a, a gigantic splash in the in the in his new role, but. I mean, what, what are the next steps for him? What do you think, what do you think he's going to do? I mean, he's, he's a guy that plays his cards pretty close to the vest in terms of, you know, plans and things of that nature. But I I just wonder what his vision for this organization is going to be. 
Well, I, I think the toughness aspect of it is something that is inevitable just because of how how things have gone there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there, I, I, and toughness could be addressed in a number of ways. It doesn't necessarily mean going out and getting yourself an enforcer, one, because there's none left. Uh, but, but two, it could just mean getting a bit more tenacious. I have a feeling they're going to try to make their Bartley Goudreau, Blake Coleman additions before they should, um, which is actually sure. something that's gotten Jim, Jim Benning in trouble. Right. Um, but you could see that kind of a thing there happening. Um, as far as like the plan for Drury, I mean, the plan for Drury is the plan that was for Gorton. Like Drury was a huge part of fostering this rebuild. Yes. And, and I think that he'll take ownership of it. I don't think he's going to do anything drastic. I think he knows what he's got there. Look, he's James Dolan's uh, chaotic overreaction is Chris Drury's gain. Like he takes over a team that is primed to contend next season. Like it'd be legit shock if the Rangers were in a bubble team next season. And, um, you know, whether he's going to make a move for Eichel or not, I, I just think it's 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 one of the best positions you could be in in this league to be the general manager of the Rangers at this point. Yeah, I, I agree completely. The other the other piece of business that'll be interesting is David Quinn. Um, I think he's out. I think you think this is it for for David Quinn and the BU boys have to have to go their separate ways here. See, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I agree. Because... <laughs> Because you have you have a couple things at play, right? Like Drury and Quinn are tight. Um, you'd figure if the progress of the team is an issue, that would fall on the coach as well. But you also have this, you know, superstar talent that may or may not be acquired, mm-hmm. who may or may not have played for the current coach at college. So, like, you you do have that X factor kind of out there. Right. And if you're like, if you're like David Quinn, you're just like, you need me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one who could get through to this guy. I did it once. I said, Hey, go out there and score. And he did. And I was a genius for it. <laughs> and I will say that, that the best hockey I've seen Jack Eichel play save for what two seasons ago was that, that freshman year at Boston university where, it was basically Jack over the boards every third shift and, and, right. you're, and you're off to the races. So, and you're off to the races. Exactly. Yeah. But, but that's, that is really interesting. You, you were picking up what I was putting down there with the David Quinn situation, because it, it really is, it makes things different, different. Now I was led to believe that David Quinn was going to be the head coach of the U S team. I had, I'd heard it for a while. The world championship, Chris Drury is the general manager. Uh, he apparently is staying on in that role, even though he just picked up a new, new gig. Uh, but then they, they named Jack Capuano as head coach. And so I was, my ears perked up a little bit as I was like, huh. And the way the staff was arranged, it does look like there may have been another kind of direction they were going to go. And then, hmm. so we'll see what, we'll see what, what that, if, the, if Are, I'm just, aren't you happy for the Jack Cap Renaissance though? Oh, of course. I love, I mean, Jack Cap, more Jack Capuano press conferences is a good thing yeah. for me. So yeah. Yeah. A guy with crazy poof hair. Yeah, who looks like Joey Buttafuoco, and <laughs> you know sounds like just a guy that you run into at a at a sports bar on Long Island, 
and uh, and there's not enough of them in this league. Absolutely. And now we now we get him for for Team USA in a leadership role. Nate Lehman also on the staff, and he's going to be a name that we hear a lot for coach openings, including Arizona and wherever else there may be a coach opening. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of you know. But we we basically covered the the most dramatic news of the week and. And I, I'm still fascinated. Is there any, any, any lasting things from this week, just in terms from, just from a pure being able to cover this league perspective, how fun was the insanity of the last week or so? I mean, it was fun to a point, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of work to do. (laughs) There's a lot of work to do, but you know, there's also like, you know, having opinions and, and then, uh, and then, and then hearing, uh, the insight of people who have the opposite opinion from you yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're very uh, uh, nasty about it. And, <laughs> you know, there's a certain amount of provocation that goes on to, eli- you know, elicit those, those reactions, but also like uh, everything in moderation, I think too, where right. like sometimes it can get super personal. So that wasn't fun. Um, but the rest of it certainly was. And, and there was also something like oddly, um, comforting is not the right word familiar maybe might be might be the better word about covering the the tom wilson thing Mm, which was an on ice incident involving controversy and player safety and all this other stuff and then a couple days later covering a game of thrones-esque managerial story right when there's been so much time spent if you're a hockey writer on COVID protocols and the border situation and all this other stuff that we've seen teams laying off their employees because they're going to lose a billion dollars. Like there's a certain amount of just like kind of like normalcy to (laughs) the conversation being about these two things. Um, and then, and then the, the Eichel stuff, um, versus what it had been in been about for so much of the time spent in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Normalcy is it, it's weird, but it's almost, it's, and it's even especially more dramatic just because we don't, we don't get those kind of things happening in the NHL all, all that often. And it, it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of like looking at a car crash, um, which, you know, we all, we all do just admit it. Um, so anyway, moving on, one of the things that I wanted to get to obviously is this is a really exciting time for, ESPN for yourself, for Emily, for everybody that's there. Um, and, you know, even though I'm not there, I'm really ha- happy for everybody because I think oh, we wish about you were this. there. Yeah. <laughs> we talked <laughs> about this. Well, we talked about it so much, but now that it's happening, you know, I'm just curious. And I think everybody else would be, I mean, how have things kind of shifted since, since it w- it became known that the, that the, the worldwide leader in sports was going to be taken on the NHL and, and, and how, does it, has it made things more fun? Have you had more work to do? Like what, what has been the, some of the primary ways that the, that the news has affected your job? Well, I mean, you've worked there. I mean, you, you know, that when, when, you know, um, there's a lot more opportunity when, when you get, even when you, when it used to be like, we get to the, the Stanley cup playoffs, like there'd be an uptick in the amount of attention and promotion things get. So then imagine that, but like a full season of that. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of how it feels. Um, like it's just a lot more conversation behind the scenes. Um, a lot more planning, a lot more possibilities, a lot more, you know, 
departments that you might work with tangentially uh, that you are talking to more often now because they're going to be a big part of, of the thing that, that ends up happening in, in the next seven years. I don't know. It's, it's, it's different in the sense that um, you could feel there's just a lot more wheels in motion at all times mm, yeah. than there usually are. Um, because like when, when you and me and Emily were, were holding down the fort, it would kind of be like one wheel in motion. And it was like the, whatever the next event was in the, NFL, right. the NHL, like the playoffs or the trade deadline or the, or whatever. And now it's kind of like all these other moving pieces happening at the same time. Um, it just feels, feels bigger and it's exciting. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So that's, that's probably the change is the biggest change internally is just that um, you just have, you're having a lot more conversation about things that uh, may or may or will happen in, in the future than, than we normally would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing like, you know, ESPN looks huge from the outside and then you get inside and you're like, Oh, it's bigger. It's bigger and there are more, <laughs> yeah. and there are more yeah. things. There yeah, it's are like more the... gears working inside the building here. I see this now. Um, yeah, oh, it's I like it's that. like on Doctor Who. If the TARDIS was the size of the Empire State Building, and then you walked in, and it was still bigger on the inside, is how yeah. it feels like you're at ESPN. Yeah, it's it's um, crazy, but it's, yeah, but it is exciting, and I'm excited for you guys because I think that this is, and I'm excited for hockey fans too because I do think this is going to be a great thing for the game. But I did also want to touch on this. I mean starting you know we both kind of came from the blog world and and you know i was an independent blogger you were with yahoo and you know i'd kind of done the whole internet you know where, where you kind of grew up through the through the various ways that you could get and then blogs kind of blew up and it was awesome and now so you're kind of like we all started kind of on the outside and mm -hmm. there were obviously the great blogger versus mainstream media wars of the, <laughs> the early aughts and, and and all those things which seems so far-fetched now because media is media but anyway you have that you're an outsider. Now you're working for a rights holder. I mean, can you, can you, could you have imagined this progression from starting at puck daddy to now to where you have this opportunity to, you kind of, you kind of like, Oh, that that's nice over there. And now you're like, Oh, we need to kind of talk to you and cater to you and, <laughs> <laughs> and be nice to you and not be so oh. angry sometimes. Although I'm sure they'll still be, they'll still be angry sometimes. I mean, I, 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 I can't, lie that i haven't given it thought over the years if only because like when you're on site for for certain things then you you can see what that access means mm -hmm. you know it could be something as simple as you get to go over and talk to the coach after the coach gets done with his press conference and they have the little confab in the hallway and there's you know uh eddie olchek and and whoever from nbc and they're talking to bruce cassidy after after he gets done you're like i wonder what they're talking about i wonder i wish i could be part of that conversation right or the the biggest example and and it's not you know a, a parallel to nhl rights but you know was that when i was covering the olympics um like nbc and nhl.com by virtue of being a, a rights holder and by virtue of being nhl.com would get to talk to everybody who came off the ice before we would. And, and, and it, to, 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 maybe I need to explain it better. Players that come off the ice, they go down this big hallway. Yep. And as they're going down, down this big hallway, they get stopped by certain people along the way to talk to them. And it's like NBC is the first people. And then like NHL.com would be there. And then like the AP would be there. Maybe the NHL.com was like with us. But like the AP was definitely before us and, and other wire services. Um, 
And so I remember being in, in, in Vancouver and, and it like, it would be after it was like, you know, being there after the, the gold medal game and just being like, I am dying to hear what Ryan Miller has to say about all this. Yeah. And then realizing, Oh man, Ryan Miller's already talked to 15 people before he gets to us. <laughs> like it's not right. going to be the same. And so the idea that, that, uh, you know, in theory rights holders have that, extra modicum of access to these players um, and these teams to be able to, you know, get your foot in the door first or, or get that extra bit of a, of time with somebody. Um, it ha- was always a really exciting thing for me, even as sort of like the quote unquote outsider at Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and now, now it's just, yeah, it's, it's going to give you so many different things that, that you're going to experience. And I think for fans, getting ESPN's ability to the many different ways that they can tell stories and the quality of storytelling that will come out of this, I think is going to be pretty massive. I, you know, obviously getting more opportunities, get the highlights on the shows and everything. And, and ESPN plus is going to be a big factor, which, you know, was also which which is where a lot of your writing resides now as well. Yes. Um, as, as a me, former, yeah, me, yeah. Jeff Passan, yeah, Barnwell, exactly. we're all, all, yeah. all the elite, yeah. uh, as I like to call us. <laughs> That's right. The media, the media elites that you have to pay for. But, but yeah, but it's, it's just, it's such a funny kind of strange path that, that careers take. And then, you, you know, you end up at a place and the timing all works out. And I think, you know, all of us that well, have, you know, that it's great. Uh, no, no. I was just going to say on the timing part, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, no, make no. no mistake. Just, just like with the Rangers ending up with the players and the picks that they did. Like I, I make no bones about the fact that I came up at the right time and you came up at the right time. I mean, we came up at a time when uh, the, the chosen form that we, would, we, 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 we did for journalism, this blogging thing was new and exciting and fresh and everybody wanted to be a part of it. And it was a thriving community um, that was super supportive. And then also it was at a time when um, mainstream places looked for people like you and me to to do stuff and yeah. and you know i Myr- myrtle and i james myrtle and i have I've talked about this a billion times because we came up at the same time just about how lucky we are that um that we hit when we did i mean it, yeah. it's just it's just random i mean it, it makes those conversations about like hey what can i do to break into the industry sometimes tough one because yes. the answer is always you know you're you're don't don't let people lie to you and say that your job isn't a lifestyle choice because it has to be in order yeah. to do this job correctly and then two, it's like, I wish I could give you better advice, but the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of it is just simply like landing at the right time. I mean, yeah. like, I started doing Fan House in like 2007 and it was just at a time of, of ex- maybe 2006, exponential growth in the industry. And, you know, Yahoo came a calling and they were willing to hire me for a, a, a full-time job that was more than I was making at a newspaper, although barely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then, and then, and then, you know, the, the show goes on from there, but it is, it is, I, I make no bones about the fact that like, much like being right place, right time to have all this rates holder ESPN stuff happening. It's the, you know, also right place, right time to have the career I have for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and obviously it's such a strange industry. It, it has all these ebbs and flows, but you know, you, you found different ways that other people, you know, obviously even everybody that's been at Puck Daddy has gone in their separate ways, but all has their own thing now too, as, <laughs> as well. You've got, you know, born over at, uh, 
at Sportsnet, you got Leahy at NBC Sports, and you know all those people that that have uh, yeah Lam- Lambert with you can't get rid of Lambert because he's on your podcast <laughs> and and, uh, and and a good thing too. Trust, trust me, if I could, it would have been after last week. So uh, <laughs> uh, that should be a good indication that there's no getting rid of Lambert. Yeah, so definitely <laughs> check out uh, yeah last week's Puck Soup if you haven't yet, <laughs> just and everything else that he did. But yeah, but you know. Greg, I mean, it's been fun to watch, you know, and obviously our careers have kind of run parallel at, at various points and everything. And um, it was a lot of fun to work with you too. But just before we get out of here, I mean, I just think, you know, you've been in podcasting, you've been in blogging, you've been all over and you kind of mentioned it a little bit like our paths, we can't really give advice because the, the path isn't the same. It's not what the way we kind of came up doesn't necessarily exist quite the same way. But I just mm-hmm. wonder, you know, just now that you've reflected on your career and 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 where you've landed and, and everything else, I mean, like just, you know, what what do you think is some of the some of the best things that have come out of you know the hockey media in the last few years that you know is is gonna send us forward uh in a in a in a more positive direction as we have new rights holders and we'll have bleacher report involved, we'll have Turner, we'll have ESPN, all these different things. And what are maybe some of the things that you've really been proud of to see kind of pop up from our little section of the uh, hockey media world. Well, I'm happy all my friends got jobs as uh, jobs as the athletic. <laughs> like that's yeah. always a good thing. Good point. I mean, that, it, that's a big in, one. In, I think in some ways, you know, it, they had jobs and and then they got paid more for them, which is which is great news. But um, you know, that's that's a place that that's uh, that's, that's fascinating in the sense that I think that it it, it strikes a a balance between you know, having a great beat writer in, in almost every market. And then also having the things that I would want to read, which is like Sean Gentile doing weird things and yeah. down goes Brown doing weird things and, and Dom from the athletic or at the athletic um, <laughs> writing fun analytics, things that are uh, informative, but also breezy. So I, I, I'm, I'm happy that they're even at a time when, you know, there's a, a premium on, on, on coverage and news breaking and all this other jive that like, there's still room at a place like that for the, the weird things, which I think are the more interesting things. And, and yeah. so in a, in a grander perspective, like the, the fact that you have so many hyper-intelligent people approaching the game through analytics um, and, and breaking down the game in ways that, um, you know, are, are smart, but accessible to me is the most exciting thing. Cause there's always been analytics writers, right? It's just that like a lot of the early stuff was impenetrable right? and, uh, and dry. And uh, it's one of the reasons I always liked really reading Tyler Dello is because he was one of the first analytics writers that uh, Tyler's with the uh, devils now as a egghead, yeah. but like he was one of the first analytics writers to really like get me interested because he, his approach was, um, here's a real smart take, but also incredibly caustic. Yes. And, very caustic. and it spoke to me. <laughs> right. So I think yeah. there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of, of analytics writing now that is, um, that has a point, which yes. I know it sounds very like, um, maybe snide, but it, it's not simply just like numbers for the, the existence of numbers. It's numbers to, attack a myth or to build a case for somebody like that's the that's the most exciting thing i think that's happened in the last few years is, is this rise of, of a certain type of writer 
Um, and I don't want to start naming them because I'll leave somebody out. And I know that sounds like an award speech, but it's the truth. Um, that that uses uses the data to make the case for, well, actually, you know, Sam Gerard's the best defenseman on Colorado. And here's why. <laughs> like, I love that shit. And yeah. and I, and I and there's so much good good stuff in that genre um, that I'm happy that it exists and I'm happy that it exists until they get hired and have to delete all of the things they've written, which right. is also a callback to Tyler Dello. Yeah. Think about it. yeah, exactly. I know that. And I, I agree completely. I think those are some great things and, and really, you know, I think things like the athletic and, and certainly the, the analytics writers that have come up, you know, were able to learn from, the various stages of, of internet media and, and mm -hmm. people like Dello, people like Eric Tulski, um, you know, that, that were able to tell stories and tell us and make us smarter. And it's, it's affected everything from the way that we vote and uh, for awards. Oh and yeah. The way we look at the game. I mean, so really if, we're all looking at it. If you're from not a different perspective, if you're not consuming the egghead content and trying to figure out like the Selkie, like what are you even doing? What are you relying <laughs> on face off stats? Yeah. The other thing I'll say too, is that the other exciting development is, uh, the much, much delayed diversification of the writing core for hockey. Um, you know, I started going to the press box in 2000, I would say probably like Ove, around Ovi's rookie year. It's so like 2005-ish is when I started going to the Capitals games when Leon started letting in bloggers, much to <laughs> his eventual chagrin. And... Um, yeah, you know, you're absolutely flabbergasted by the demographics in the press box. It is, it is not, <laughs> it is not diverse, right? Uh, and and so like the fact that that's changed over the years has been encouraging, but the fact that we've gotten to a point now that like, you know, someone like Emily has a prominent role in the PHWA and, and is, is all over the, you know, television and things like that. The fact that I was able to read a story before we did the podcast um, from a black woman's perspective on Wayne Simmons talking about the difficulty in getting yeah. his hair cut during the pandemic. Like these are things that have needed to exist forever. And it's just now we're getting them and, and we're now we're getting them because of, the different ways that we can get them, whether it's, you know, through companies that have expanded their hiring, whether it's through Substack, whether it's through Twitter, I mean, any, any number of places, but just the fact that there's such a diversification, a growing diversification of voices is, uh, has made this sport really, you know, more exciting. And, and, and sometimes you don't agree. I mean, right. you know, sometimes uh, listen, I'm, I'm a, dinosaur like i grew up watching the patrick division where like if if there wasn't blood on the ice after the game you were disappointed so <laughs> i i fully recognize that that my nhl was different than the, the the current nhl and that's okay like you know teach me and uh and and maybe i could teach you and 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 that's the way that it should be right. is that uh, having a diverse audience and a multi-generational or diverse rather uh, writing core and a multi-generational writing core is at the end of the day going to make the whole thing more exciting to, to, to learn about, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said. And I, I'm excited too. I think that the, the, we're only at the tip of the iceberg in terms of, uh, 
you know, what's going to be coming in the next wave of, of hockey media. And we don't even know what it's going to look like. I mean, geez, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to be writing NFT, like if it's going to be like NFT well, storytelling yeah. and, you know, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to find out what the next, what the next thing is, well, but. We've talked about this before that our, our great fear is that one day we think we'll be doing a good job. And then someone younger than us will come to us and be like, are you guys publishing on Gleepglorp? And we're like, <laughs> what is Gleepglorp? And then you're just like, you don't know what Gleepglorp is. And then you just feel like you just, you just want to like go buy a farm in New Zealand and yep. just live there. Yeah. You just and, retire and never at that have point. to, you just read. Yeah. It's yeah, just, it's you're done at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope that day doesn't come soon for either of us and we can continue <laughs> to do this because it's way too much fun. Uh, and we want to continue to have fun, but we are also very, we, we can't wait for the next wave. So Greg, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was fun to again, dive into some of the, the, the juicy stories of last week and also a little bit of, of everything that uh, the, the hockey media has become and, and was and is going to be next. So uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you on, on any topic, uh, usually mm -hmm. pro wrestling, video oh, yeah. games, other things mm -hmm. of that nature as well. Mm -hmm. But it's great to talk hockey with you as well. So thanks a lot for coming it on today. It's great to talk to you as well. I, I can't believe you didn't ask me about my draft board. Yeah, I was going to save that. I don't have one. I'm think, kidding. Yeah, I don't yeah, give I, it. I, well, I, I can't wait to see it. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to read it with my ESPN Plus subscription that I now pay for. So, like, no, next time, next, next time it's all video games and wrestling. All right. Uh, that sounds good to me. All right. Well, Greg, Greg Wyshynski of espn.com espn the puck suit podcast everything else at wasinski on twitter he is uh the godfather the puck daddy whatever <laughs> you want to call it he's that so i'm that yeah. <laughs> you're that great <laughs> greg thanks a lot for coming on man i appreciate it all right but thanks and once again my thanks to greg wasinski for hopping on the podcast with me once again and giving us all that great insight on so many different things. And it's always fun to talk hockey with Greg. And as he, as we noted, we talk about a lot of other things as well. But uh, he is a man of many interests and many opinions. And I'm sure we'll have him on the podcast another time. But make sure that you check out his work and Emily Kaplan's work at ESPN.com. Certainly watch uh, those things that that you know they're they're on TV and, and all those other things. It's it's always great to see them uh, thriving in that environment, and it's great to hear that ESPN is, is putting even more emphasis on the NHL. All right, so now that we've gotten through that, I, we don't want to spend too much time because that was, you know, obviously we, we spent a lot of time there on our on our interview, but I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the World Under-18 Championship, what it meant for the NHL draft. And so you can read the, the stories. There are tons of recaps. There's an entire breakdown of Team USA, which exited in the quarterfinal. First time USA doesn't medal in 16 tournaments at the world under 18s it's remarkable you know that was a, an incredible run and you think about all the players that they were missing due to injury and and all these other things but you know when you see that it, it was it was very strange for me at a tournament I've never been to one of those where the U.S. didn't didn't medal in some way and most of the ones that I went to early on in, in my career uh U.S. was was winning those events and it's it's a very difficult tournament to win and I think that one thing that we've we've learned is that you know, this is this is definitely the world's game, and there's a lot of great countries, and we've seen Finland, Sweden, Canada all win it in recent years. Russia hasn't won it since 2007. They finished with the silver again this year. Canada beating them in a in a thrilling gold medal game, but 
the real story of the tournament wasn't so much about the 2021 prospects as it was the 2022 and the 2023 prospects because those were the players that were leading the tournament. The top four, three scorers in the tournament were underage players. Matvey Michkov had 16 points. He also scored 12 goals, second most in the history of that tournament, um, and the second most by a U17 player in the tournament to only Alex Ovechkin. So pretty high uh, praise there for for Matt Vaymichkov, or high high accomplishment for him and high achievement. But also then you had Connor Bedard, who had 14 points as a 15-year-old. And the last time a 15-year-old had that many points, it was Connor McDavid in a gold medal effort for Canada in 2013. And I happened to be at that tournament, and I couldn't help but see the McDavid-like impact of Connor Bedard on a roster that actually was pretty darn deep. And the fact that a 15-year-old could be a top six producer on that team was pretty impressive. He scored uh, an incredible backhanded goal in the gold medal game that uh, you definitely have to check out. Meanwhile, the top prospect for the 2022 draft, Shane Wright, missed a couple of games due to injury. Played in five games. He had 14 points, so he had 2.8 points per game. And was, you know, he was actually my vote for MVP. I thought he made Canada better. I thought he made an impact in, in all zones and all in, in all strengths and just was a an incredible player and showed all the reasons why he'll be the number one pick next year. That said, you know, he he, he didn't play any games this season. These were the only competitive games that he's played. So seven games for the best prospect or five games for the best prospect in in hockey. So a really remarkable accomplishment for for Shane Wright, but you know, there were there were others there too that really jumped out. Ivan Marashnashenko for for Russia is an as another 2022 draft prospect who has size and speed and skill and you know scored a ton of goals in the tournament and was one of Russia's best players. Um, there was Charlie Stramel from Team USA who was not draft eligible until 2023 and a, a young man that just made his college commitment to the University University of Wisconsin and what a huge get that is. For the Badgers, quite literally, because he's six foot three, over two hundred pounds, and just beginning to learn how to use that size. Um, he's a, he's really hard to knock off the puck. He has good soft touch skills. He's a really strong skater. So I'm really excited to see what those players do. But when you look at the 2021 draft, one of the things that a lot of the scouts that I was talking to at the tournament were saying, you know, like it's hard getting excited about this draft class when you see those guys that are, are high performers for 2022 and 2023 and say, wow, you know, some of these guys, they're they're better than any of the prospects we're looking at for this year. And so if this was the year that you were kind of in last place and you have a high pick, you know, are you going to get as good a value? And I think that some of the scouts had even, had even openly said to me, you know, like this draft class is looking a little worse even after the world under 18s is because you know there's there's a lot of question marks there's a lot of flawed players it's not a great skating draft there's not a lot of speed in this draft there are players like Isaac Rosen who was fantastic in the tournament for Sweden which won the bronze medal who can play with pace Fabian Lasalle as well for for Sweden who plays with pace and and skill so there are players and there's value to be had in this tournament or sorry in this draft but i think that one of the things that we're, we're, we're hearing is, you know, it's a little bit on the underwhelming side, but look at these next two coming up and how exciting they're going to be. So, you know, if you're thinking, say you're a Seattle Kraken fan or you're a, you're a fan of a team that's either in rebuilding mode 
or on the way to rebuilding mode, you might look at the 2022 and 2023 drafts with stars in your eyes, thinking about the possibilities of what could be there if you get the number one pick. So in 2022, you're looking at Shane Wright, Ivan Rostashenko, Brad Lambert, who was also in the tournament, a number of other players. 2023, it's Matt Vemichkov, it's it's Connor Bedard. I mean, those are high, high quality players that are special in 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 ways that are you know, just hard to even explain and put into context. Um, also wanted to quickly note, Team USA is taking shape for the, the World Championship. There will be a, a number of players that didn't play in the NHL this year that will be on Team USA's roster, including 2021 draft eligible Matty Beneers was able to confirm that via sources this week that the University of Michigan Center will play for Team USA at the tournament. His University of Michigan teammate Owen Power, right now the favorite to be the number one pick in the 2021 draft. He will be playing for Canada at the World Championship, so a good chance to get two uh, more views on those guys. William Eklund, another 2021 prospect, has a good shot but hasn't quite made it yet, but has a good shot to make the Swedish roster for this tournament. So there's going to be some, some things to watch here if you're a fan of the NHL draft. So that tournament begins in, in, in late May in Latvia. It'll be on NHL Network in the United States, TSN in Canada. Um, so there will be ways to watch the the event. It's it's at this point really intriguing to see how it's all going to work. Team USA is expected to leave on May 16th, a few days before the tournament. They're going to have to go through quarantine. They're going to have to go through testing. All of those things are going to be in place. So that's what's been really hard to get players to sign up for. So you're not going to see a star-studded roster, but you are going to see some interesting names on there. One of them was reported by uh, Frank Cervalli of TSN that, that Brian Boyle is joining Team USA. He hasn't played a game this season, but he's never played on a U.S. national team. He's 36 years old. You know he's trying to re, re you know kind of uh, spark his career again. Um, he's he's obviously gone through so much in the last few years with his cancer battle. He's been on multiple teams, but he's a guy that's never been available for this team because he's always in the playoffs and he's always on teams that go on deep runs. So it's great to see him. Justin Abdelkader, who just won a championship in Switzerland, will be joining the team. Chris Weidman, who is the number one scoring defenseman in the KHL and is definitely looking to get back in the NHL, uh, will be on the team. I've heard that the that the t they expect to have Jake Sanderson, the number five overall pick from the 2020 draft, but I've heard there could be a couple of hangups with his inclusion on the roster now. But if as if everything gets sorted out, they want him on the team. I think he could play a substantial role. Um, so you know there are a number of players that will be there, younger players, guys that you know could make a make a big impact on the tournament. And once again, this team is being put together by Chris Drury, who just got a promotion in a very dramatic fashion the other day when, uh, you know, last week, as, as Greg and I talked about with, with his uh, now being the general manager of the New York Rangers. So there's so much going on. There's, it's, it, there's so much craziness happening right now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to follow the world championship, what's going on in the NHL. It's a great time of year. It feels, you know, it's not normal, but it's close enough. We're going to have playoff hockey. We're going to have tournament hockey. We're going to have the NHL draft. It's all coming into focus, and we can all be a little bit more excited about it. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. We'll try to be excited together, and then uh, we'll we'll keep moving on. So 
We will have another podcast next week. I won't leave you hanging. I won't leave you without a podcast. I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me so far. It's been so fun to put these together. It's been great to talk to some very interesting people from all walks of life. If you haven't listened to them yet, go back into the archive. Listen to the the interview with Marissa and Jemmy on the Women's World Championship. Listen to Ryan Clark on the Seattle Kraken and his incredible career. Uh, We had Tommy Haynes, documentary filmmaker, who's, who's making a great documentary about Northern Minnesota High School hockey that you you'll definitely want to check out you know we even go further back and and check out Corey Prom and Bob McKenzie and John Butchergrass so you know we've had some great guests here expect to have more hopefully we'll get Emily on soon too so we can complete the ESPN former trifecta uh, of of my last stint and and she's obviously blowing up going on around the horn and 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 doing all sorts of things so we'll certainly want to make sure that she uh that she's involved in in anything we do, but uh, but yeah, but it's so great to see uh, your friends succeed, and and I'm so happy for both of them, and hopefully you know someday we'll uh, we'll be able to to meet at an event again because we're we're getting closer, we're getting closer to being back to normal. I can feel it. It was great to be in an arena in Texas, and I think that we're all going to be heading to that that direction where we're able to to gather again and, and, and have a little more fun out there. So uh, it's getting close. So that's my little positivity burst at the end of the podcast. But once again, thank you so much for joining us. Please do subscribe to this podcast. Please rate, review it. Um, you know, try to give us a five star review. That that seems to be nice. That seems to help us get up, uh, get up some charts and and catch some other podcasts. But uh, and and also, if you have questions, hit me up on Twitter at Chris M Peters, uh, Hockey Sense with CP at gmail.com. We'll do those. We'll answer those questions on the podcast very soon. I'm planning to do a complete Q and A podcast that I'll also put as a Q and A for subscribers on the website. Um, so you know, if you either want to listen to it or read it, you can go either way, and it's it's all the same to me. So we'll do that very soon as well. Um, also, please subscribe to HockeySense.Substack.com. Uh, annual subscriptions are for uh, you know they're. They're pretty decent, $54, not too bad, uh, $6 for monthlies. And certainly uh, you can also be part of the free emailings. They're a little bit less frequent, but there's something there for you too. So just want to say thanks again for listening. Check us out uh, uh, next week as well when we have yet another guest. We'll talk more about the NHL playoffs and certainly the Men's World Championship and, and whatever else kind of comes up. Uh, but yeah, well, there's there's plenty to talk about, and we'll keep doing it right here on Talking Hockey Sense. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Chris. We'll catch you next time.